We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers have signed Ben McLemore uh, into their final roster spot. They do have the ability, I believe, a little later that if they wanted to, they could create one more roster spot. But essentially, this is the team. This is the fully realized or very close to it version of the 2020-2021 Lakers. And the Lakers chose to go with Ben McLemore, uh, played last couple seasons in Houston, drafted by Sacramento. Darius, what do we know about McLemore as a player? I mean, sort of a journeyman lottery guy, right? Um, Drafted, I think, Mike, number seven overall, I think, um, Mm -hmm. by Sacramento. Um, And it sort of toured the league a little bit like stars he started in sacramento um left sacramento he came back to sacramento and then he sort of came back and 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 um refound life um as many do playing in mike d'antoni's system when d'antoni was the head coach for the houston rockets um floor spacer shooter i don't think he ever developed into sort of the two-way wing that you would want. Um, And I I think he went to college at Kansas. Yeah, one year at Kansas, yeah. Yeah, and and the idea was probably like, oh, you know, anyone drafted that high, you probably think, oh, man, this dude's going to be like a Tracy McGrady type, right? He could score the ball. He could get after you defensively. He's not not as big like that. I think he's, what, maybe 6'4", 
Um, yeah. Yeah. But the but the idea of like this dude is going to be a scorer, and I think what he settled into um, at this stage of his career, year eight, is that he's basically going to be a spot up shooter, right? And and a floor spacer. And um, Mike, you were in the sort of pregame Zoom yesterday when the signing was not yet official and um, the anxious Lakers media core wanted to try to hint at Frank Vogel, like, Hey, what do you think about um, a guy whose name we're not going to say quite yet? And and what it would mean for the roster. And and can you talk to us some about sort of Vogel's initial comments? And then from your perspective, like what you think of McLemore as, as a guy and and how he ties back into what Frank was saying. For sure. Let me get to that in a second. Cause you made me, you made me dive into mentally one of my favorite drafts, uh, 2013, just a bizarre. Oh, such a weird draft. Yes. Yeah. And so do you guys remember which current Laker went one pick after McLemore? He is a starter for the Lakers. Schroeder? No, no Schroeder no. wasn't that high, right? No, was it KCP? KCP, yeah. So oh, KCP. that's right. He was in, oh, I thought he was 2014. That's I know. right. He was like, wait, KCP's been elite. Yeah, okay. So KCP goes eight to Detroit. And above them, of course, that was the Anthony Bennett draft, right? Um, right. You had Oladipo second. And then, you know, some players that really haven't made that much of an impact. Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len. Uh, Nerlens Noel, then he gets a Macklemore KCP, Trey Burke, and then 10. Oh, okay, there's CJ McCollum, right? Okay, that right, that right. worked out. Uh, and then you have, do we remember who went 15th that year? Giannis. There you Was go. Was it Giannis? Mm-hmm. Giannis. So Giannis yep. goes 15th, Shooter went 17th. Um, so now, so we're just all up in this draft class. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Didn't, didn't Boston have a chance to pick Giannis, but they picked Kelly Olenek instead? They were really close, I heard. Pete, you know what? They, were, they, they almost, they almost Pete, had him. They almost Pete, had Danny, him. Danny was going to pick Giannis, though. And then mm. at the last minute, ownership came in mm. and overruled and said, you know what? We really like Kelly Olenek, uh, the mm. junior out of Gun- I hate Gun- when that Gun- happens. Oh, that's I'm shocked that Boston would like Kelly Olenek instead yeah. of Giannis. Yeah. Anyways. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, I just found that interesting. That's all. <laughs> That's just a quick side note from Pete. Uh, then Gobert went 27th. And yeah, it was just a uh, Mike Muscala went 44th. I'll just like throw that in there. Um, <laughs> the last pick in the draft was Giannis Timma, uh, not not known for his NBA six out of Latvia. So anyway, there you go. There's the, uh, the deep dive into the 2013 draft, which now the Lakers have seems like half of on their roster. Um, yes. My... I don't want to. So what I don't want to do, I don't, this is just my initial opinion of this. And this, this is, I don't want to minimize the addition at all. I don't want to minimize the upside of Macklemore, but I, I do see this a bit closer to the J.R. Smith sort of uh, Deion waiters type edition last year, where Pete had just mentioned uh, and in the last pod about sort of THT and there's a moment in a series where you can call upon a guy where a matchup strikes. And I think there will be a moment in whether it's the regular season, but especially the postseason, where you just, the biggest thing is some guys aren't hitting shots and you want to throw this guy out there for gravity and hope that he hits a couple, especially from the corner where he's been really good. But I don't see him as a, as capable of eclipsing a rotation spot from KCP, Shooter, Caruso, 
even Wesley Matthews with how we, again, on the previous spot, we discussed Wesley Matthews has been really good lately after struggling at the beginning of the season. So to me, this is more of a, okay, break glass. uh, Let's get the shooter out there. He's going to have gravity. People know the second the ball gets into his hand, it's going up just like J.R. Smith. There's a usage for that. I'm I'm happy to have that on the roster, but um, Darius, I'm not at this point thinking that he's going to supplant somebody for a rotation piece, but we'll see. Look, I look at the game against Toronto and you know who didn't play until garbage time? Alfonso McKinney, right? And so, like, that's so McLevore is signed into sort basically the same similar wing position as McKinney. And McKinney is the break in in case of emergency wing on this roster who has not gotten minutes unless multiple things have happened, right? And in this case, LeBron being out is one. And then McKinney didn't see regular minutes unless Wes now, who is in the rotation, he had been dealing with a neck strain. And if Wes was unable to play or if there was another wing who was unable to play, then McKinney might see some time. I do think Vogel will probably try to find a shift or two um, in the upcoming week or so after McLemore gets acclimated to to throw him out there and, and see how he looks. Same premise as Drummond, right? Like if he's going to be a potentially viable guy, we saw Dion Waiters. I love how Mike framed it like that. I, I totally agree that it's in that type of class of signing, but we gave Dion Waiters minutes in the bubble. We gave J.R. Smith, like you got to give these guys opportunity to play and get some run within the system to even give them a chance of contributing. Dion the game, some, had some game winners. Oh, Dion was fun as hell, man. Yeah. Philly cheese, man. That was a, a, an enjoyable. Remember, in in like twenty years, we're gonna be like, you remember Dion Waiters? Remember when Dion Waiters played with us for like six weeks bubble in the cheese, bubble? Baby. Bubble cheese. Oh, he's got a ring. He earned it. Good for Dion. Look at the tweets, man. <laughs> there were some tweets. There were some tweets flowing out of Lakers Twitter during that little stretch where where Dion was getting mad love and he looked like like the Rondo replacement right the 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 shot creator guy who who could come in and help and then when it came right down to it Vogel was just like yeah guess what we're gonna go with (laughs) with, we're gonna go with Rondo thanks thanks but getting back to Ben I'm the idea of gravity the idea of of a of a viable shooter, someone who you can stick weak side or even strong side corner, right? And can flow up into the shoulder area of the arc and, and and just let it fly, man. Like there is a certain amount of, hey, you came here to shoot the ball, right? Like I don't think he's going to have the same role as this guy. But do you remember when the Lakers brought in Reggie Bullock a couple of yep. years ago? Yep. And it was sort of this idea of, you, you know, Bullock was a starter or he played big minutes, but he was a guy that the Lakers were sort of just like, hey, man, we need a shooter like you come in here and you let it fly. And in McLemore's minutes, I anticipate him letting them go, man. Like, that's why you're that's why you're here. We're not looking for you to ball fake, put the ball on the ground and make a decision. No, the decision making is I am open. Shoot. I'm not open. Pass. 
Yeah. And that is, we could use a guy like that, right? Like if you look at the team from Rob Palenka's perspective, what purpose does the buyout market serve? What are you trying to do? You're not trying to reshape or reconceptualize your team. Now, Drummond is a rare talent available at the buyout market where you can be like, oh, we're going to get a 27-year-old athlete that moves, that can defend the perimeter. Like usually that guy isn't on the buyout market, but uh in most instances, you're trying to kind of plug up the little holes that may have emerged over the course of the season. Like, it, I always look at it this way. When we're at our worst, we turn the ball over. We can't hit a damn shot, like, no matter how open we are. Uh, we can get overwhelmed at the rim. I'm talking pre-buyout market, right? We can, you know, get physically overwhelmed at the rim. So in the buyout market, how can I address these sorts of weaknesses. And I think that that Rob acquitted himself well in that respect, in that we got an athletic big. We got a guy who can theoretically hit shots, right? Now it's always, I don't know, I've been, you know, as a lifelong Laker fan, I feel scarred by the perhaps half real, half true, uh, half untrue notion that guys just can't freaking shoot when they get to LA. But Mike Ben's Ben McLemore is a guy that when he's open, uh, any and I, I'll talk about this on the other side of the break, but he doesn't just shoot catch and shoot shots. His ability to he has the ability to make shots going side to side. But just I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of plugging the holes if we zoom out a bit beyond just Ben McLemore's signing, but just how both he and Drummond kind of fit into the overall concept of the team. You're not going to be surprised that I'm going to tailor this back to LeBron and AD, uh, which, which I, I, I always will believe that everything on the roster should do so. That's and, the point. Like you, you have to yes. understand this roster through that lens in order to yeah. actually understand what the hell they're doing. That's right. And so bottom line, if you put a knockdown shooter or at least the perception of a knockdown shooter who has hit threes and who has a quick release and even just the reputation, this is why I think J.R. Smith specifically tied in so nicely to this last year. LeBron James in the postseason, the one thing that you have to have in the half court, just shoot her in the corner. Because what is LeBron going to do? He's going to call for a screen. And do you want to help off of Ben McLemore as opposed to, say, even on certain possessions, Alex Caruso, who is getting better at hitting the corner three, hit three of them. Last night, and I think, again, we're always going to pick Caruso, especially for defense, but in certain situations, that's where Frank Vogel can go to. Okay, we're we're KCP's off tonight, not hitting shots. Last year, maybe Danny Green was off for a given night, whatever it might be, and the, the paint is getting crushed. The, the, the opponents are just loading up in the paint, and it's too many bodies for LeBron to deal with. That's the time where having a Ben McLemore on the roster is great. Because you, you just throw him in there, and if the defense continues to hedge in and continues to help, you know LeBron's going to feed him right in the shooting pocket, and it's going to go up. I, I think it's lo- much less likely that you're going to have minutes in those kind of contexts for Macklemore if LeBron isn't in the game. It just because, again, he's the one that's going to draw and, and that needs to have that kind of spacing. Though it could happen, but that's Darius uh, the way I see it. And uh, let me kind of kick to you for it's, it's some of the same principles probably with Drummond, but uh, that it, it can all line up that way around LeBron and AD. Well, I think for Macklemore, this is where we can really look at roster construction and what are the needs and what are a player's strengths and what are their deficiencies and how can you cover up for their deficiencies while trying to optimize their strengths? 
right? And that is the goal of roster construction is, is how do these pieces fit together? Pete, you have talked a ton this year about the one of the Lakers' biggest strengths is their perimeter defense. I think the Lakers are maybe more equipped to sort of cover up some of McLemore's defensive deficiencies while trying to prop up what he's good at offensively. I think the Lakers are as well positioned as any other team in the league to absorb a player like him, right? Because you can, in theory, put him next to really good defensive guards and wings. Say, yeah, you know what? You go guard the other team's worst offensive player one through three, or even if that guy's like a stretch four type, maybe even put him on that guy. And we will compensate for you with potentially uh, Caruso, KCP coups or a LeBron Schroeder, KCP or LeBron Schroeder, Alex, right? Trio. We will put these guys around you. And for one shift, you get to guard the dude who just stands in the corner too, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then offensively, we can get you the types of shots that you can knock down because the pressure we're going to put on the rim is going to put you in positions to be successful offensively and defensively. We can cover up for you. And, and I think that is the sort of, to me, the guiding principle behind a guy like Macklemore specifically. I think you're spot on with that. And then it becomes a question of, what are the circumstances in which you fit a type of guy uh, like that into a, a particular lineup? What are the ideal lineups for that type of guy? So let's take a quick break. And I've got some ideas on that front that I'd like to share. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. 
There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So I think to some degree, Ben McLemore is KCP insurance. The There have been stretches of this season where we just can't hit a damn shot. And we've been living through a lot of them. That's why the game against Toronto was so refreshing. The game against Sacramento, there's a certain amount of like, I love watching these guys are dogs on defense, man. And they just really get into teams and what they're doing again in this stretch without LeBron and AD being able to maintain a certain level defensively. They should be so proud of and, and, and Frank Vogel and the staff and all the players being able to maintain that. That really shows a certain commitment to this is what we're about. That said, there are times, man, where you just need to hit a shot. And it can be deflating even to both ends of the court if you just don't see the ball go through the hoop. No matter how committed to defense you are, no matter how about it you are, it's nice to see the ball go in the hoop. And KCP is my biggest, in terms of an individual player, I'm trying to look at this team through the lens of like, what are potential points of failure for the team? If we were to lose a series, what would the story of that series probably be? If we are to lose a playoff series, I almost guarantee you that one of the bigger storylines will be the Lakers could not hit a damn shot, right? And so having one more player that can do that when the player that you rely on the most for that sort of thing, like so, so like Alex is shooting 40% from three, but Alex is not a shooter. That is not the most highly developed part of his offensive game. He can't come around to stagger, uh, you know, even Wesley Matthews has that to a certain degree, but that those skills have degraded. KCP is the guy that we rely on to be the shooter, to play that role through the lens of all these role players have very specific things that they're good at and very specific circumstances and matchups that they're appropriate for. KCP is the guy I'm worried about the most through that lens. And if KCP goes cold in a playoff series, having one more guy that can come off of a stagger, can hit a one dribble pull-up, can hit a sidestep three, can uh, hit a dribble pull-up or uh, a step in three in transition. These are the types of shooter shots that a player like Dennis Schroeder or Alex Crusoe, they will not shoot these types of shots, but they are essential to building out a complete roster, right? KCP hits these shots when he's at his best. And KCP is a, not even just at his best, but KCP at his okayest, is a better player than Ben McLemore. That said, if KCP goes cold, that's one of my biggest concerns. And I think McLemore serves to some degree of insurance from that. All right. So I I worry a little bit about that line of thinking, Pete. So let's let's get into okay. it a bit. Okay. So what we're talking about in terms of KCP and shooting, and let's say McLemore, and, and even if I don't know that McLemore is a better shooter overall than KCP. I think that they're similar, you know, uh, in terms of career percentages and such. McLemore is probably a little better 
um, as a as kind of like a knockdown shooter. But what KCP gives you that Macklemore can't is the pace, the transition, sprinting the up speed. and down, mm-hmm. the speed. He gives you defense, uh, trailing around screens, battling, competing the whole time, not missing yeah. assignments. And so that's a big trade-off just to assume that the three-point shooting is going to be better for somebody. And, and so here's the other part of it. And let's say it get back, gets back to this whole break glass situation. Let's say K- KCP really is struggling from three. Well, that did happen at times last year. And what did Frank Vogel do about it? He just maintained his confidence in him, kept running him out on the floor. And KCP didn't shoot the ball well in the finals, but he played 31 minutes and they didn't lose a game because of it. So I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, go ahead. So are you, are you saying that there is really no practical circumstances in which Frank Bogle would look over at the bench in a playoff series and be like, we need to hit a shot. KCP's over eight or whatever in this game. And we just need somebody who can hit a shot. I need to call on Ben. Yeah, no, no. I, so we, we, I got to that earlier. I think there are definitely within a certain game, it, like a, a game, right? But I don't think I don't think in terms of a, and maybe that's what you were getting at, Pete. And so, oh yeah, but, no, no, yeah. like ben, just he's, like he's just like good. one time, yeah. You're a hundred percent right, man. He's not as good as KCP. Like it would be disingenuous to make that argument. I'm saying though that like there's some attributes of the game, like the New Orleans game, right? Where if you cross a, a certain threshold, I don't know if I'm going to make sense in articulating this, but if you cross a certain threshold, other things don't matter. So that New Orleans game, they were so much stronger than us that their relative inability to shoot the ball from three, like it didn't matter because they, you get overrun. And that happens in terms of your own weaknesses as well, right? Like, we, because the roster is so built around the athletes and the defense and being dogs yeah. that get after you, that if we don't have any outside shooting, this isn't like like KCP. If KCP were surrounded by more guys, Danny Green is an example of this that could get hot and that could shoot shooter shots, then it's less of a potential point of failure. But it's not really KCP. It's a matter of the whole roster. He's the only like legit shooter that we have, depending on your belief in Wes in this respect, right? And so yeah. I think that's a potential point of failure that if we don't get it from KCP, we could just be cold as hell as a team. I could I could totally see that happening. It's a good way to put it with last year you did have Green out there also. And usually you were gonna one of the two was gonna knock down some of those shots. It's just more right. So last year in the postseason, and again, this is acknowledging that it's a little bit of a different team, but they lost one game because they couldn't hit a shot at all. And it was game one against Portland. The whole team literally could not hit a shot. KCP was 0 for 9 from the field and 0 for 5 from 3. And that was the point where he was getting crushed, right? The next game, KCP was 4 for 6 for 3. Game 3, 3 for 8. Game game 4, 2 for 4. Game 5, 4 for 9. He ends up shooting 40% in the series. It's, It's a... I just, and maybe, you know, Darius, you can kind of come in and help. I don't know how you, how Frank differs from his approach, which is to, to sort of ride guys. The thing that I'm struggling with countering Pete on though, is that if you have that one fewer shooter in the starting lineup and we're, and we're assuming that shooter isn't, isn't, you know, knocking down those type of shots, even that Rondo was in the postseason where Rondo was hitting those three. So that's where I'm kind of opening my, uh, my mind a bit and, and it's not going to be necessarily Caruso or THT. And so I, so I may, Pete may be pulling me around to that point as, as a difference from last year where you have those guys where you, you kind of were able to rely at least on green or Rondo or KCP 
to hit some shots. It's a potential point of failure. I'm not saying that yeah, it will be. I, I, I think I think ultimately you're right that that's Vogel's identity. We're not going to stray from that. I'm just saying that in terms of points of failure on this team, D, that stands out to me on the offensive end more than anything. Yeah, because the team is in the bottom third of the league <laughs> in shooting, and I don't have that. They were last year too, though. They were. I think this year they're probably a little bit worse in comparison to the rest of the league than they were last year, but I'd have to check the, the thing I'll be interested and in, I don't have the fancy like second spectrum stats. So if second spectrum ever wants to sponsor this pod and give me a free account, that'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I'd be very interested in seeing the Lakers shot quality. Like they have shot quality metrics, right? And, and like, not just open versus not open, but shot quality in terms of like, this is a caliber of shooter you are. And this is how, this is the type of shot you're getting and how successful they've been over the course of the season on shot quality versus like expected percentage versus actual percentage. That would be something I'd be very interested in seeing because the Lakers at their, when they are at their utmost worst struggling as a shooting team it feels like the shot quality that they're getting is high and the results do not reflect that shot quality that they're getting and and pete when you're talking about a potential point of failure that's where that's where the failure comes in because to mike's point last year during the playoffs teams decided you're not going to beat us at the rim the lakers said oh yeah, hold my beer. Like, right, we're going to get to the rim anyway and and you can't stop us. But when teams finally did really just say they're selling out, they're just packing the paint, the shooters mostly delivered and they delivered at a level that was enough to loosen up the defense a little bit more to allow LeBron and AD the types of lanes they needed in order to get the shots that they would get individually. Can I introduce one guy I kind of wanted to mention? So, Pete, this year, for this season, if, let's say, KCP and Schroeder are both struggling, I do think you put you can slide Kuz down to almost mm-hmm. like the two um, right. as, as a shooter and then, you know, maybe keep KCP in. So, so like, that's – whereas last year it was unlikely that both Green and KCP – and that's not to say that McLemore couldn't, couldn't find his way in there in spots, but I, I, I don't want – I would be remiss not to mention I would have Kuzma, you know, and Wes in there as well as guys to, to potentially hit the knockdown shots over. That's a good point in that, like, Kuz is one of those guys where he either has his jumper that day or he doesn't. And that's okay. Like, that was Danny Green last year in the playoffs as well, right? And and really throughout much of, of his uh, his career. Um, Kuz is that type of guy. Green's obviously a better shooter. I'm not trying to slander the man any more than I already have, right? But, uh, but Kuz... You can tell early, right? And that's one of the things, you know, he comes off a screen, hits that first three after Mark rips the ball out of Chris Boucher's hands. It's like, hey, that looked good. He's got that little bounce in his step. You can tell, like, and you're not always going to get that guy. I've noticed Wes is either a three out of four or four out of six from three guy or an O out of five guy or a one for five guy, right? And so he's a streaky shooter too, but that's a really good point that we do have a couple of other guys that can fit similar defensive roles that where maybe it isn't just we lost Danny and there's nobody to replace him type of, you know, in terms of our shooting. I think that all of this can be true, right? I think the Lakers probably looked at this and said, you know what, let's grab another shooter, right? They have a spacing five in Marcus Gasol. 
They also have a spacing four, right, who can defend up some in Markeith Morris, right? They've got potential shooters in KCP, in Kyle Kuzma, in Wes Matthews, and Alex Caruso, guys who they say, you know what, you're open, we trust you to shoot this shot, and you give us enough defensively that we're going to live with that. I think the play for Macklemore to me is, all right, why not one more, right? And insurance, like, I wouldn't just, and this is where, Pete, I would push back a little bit as, like, KCP insurance. To me, he's more insurance in general, like, hey, that's fair like, point. one more shooter, right? And the fact is, is, and this gets back to the point I was trying to make earlier, is that you're not going to struggle to fit him in to lineups because you have enough guys on the perimeter who can defend, who can extend or create advantage, and guys who are also finishers. And then you have LeBron and AD, you have Trez, you have, right? And so you have all of these guys who can also sort of play in the middle of the floor in ways that create advantage for other guys around the court. So I see Macklemore as just another guy where you're just like, hey, we can slot you into a lineup next to KCP and potentially Alex or potentially Wes, right? With LeBron and AD. Or we could play a less defense, more offense unit of Dennis, Macklemore, Coos, Carroll, and Keith, right? And play more like five out or four out lineups with Trez operating in the middle there and then having appropriate spacing, like short roll spray to the corner type, sure. type of action. My point is, like, with a guy like Matt Lamore, I don't think he's likely to play very much at all. I do think that he will Agreed. get chances, but if he shows that he can fit into various lineup types where he's being raised up by the rising tide of all of these other talented players around him, that his lone skill set of knockdown shooter could be valuable within the context of a very limited role while other guys are helping him defensively. So that lowers him in the pecking order by a number of degrees, right? But that doesn't mean he can't have utility. And that's where I think the balance is with what Palinka is trying to do is what's the one skill set we could use more of this. There you go. And they got the best guy on the market to try to fill it of what was available to them. Right. And then my last point, uh, Pete, to pull out something, what Darius said earlier uh, in that uh, last uh, last uh, soliloquy, if you have Marcus Saul and you're having trouble getting him on the court in certain times because Drummond's playing a lot. And let's say that, you know, AD's playing at the five uh, in smaller lineups. Well, if you're struggling with shooting, that is another thing you can do is you can just put Mark in. And so not only do you have shooting at the five then, but you have him, he's a, he's the kind of guy that's going to help get some more open shots for, for the other guys that he's on the court with, as opposed to Harrell or Drummond. So that, that's another one of those things, just like you can kind of break glass and, and bring in Macklemore in certain situations. Mark maybe on his own in certain sets can generate some looks um, from, from that standpoint. And I think that's 
that's a potentially good thing uh, for for Vogel and the Lakers to have. And then the last part is just I'm just thinking of this defensive unit as a second unit. If you've got in a certain matchup again, and I'm not saying this is going to happen all the time, but if you, if you've got Gasol as your backup center, if you've got Kuz with, with how he's playing defense lately with Caruso and Wes Matthews, um, that like that kind of attack second unit defense could be nasty and sure maybe it's THG at times but but more likely than not it's AD or LeBron in a playoff rotation with that group mm-hmm. and that's yeah. nasty that's nasty to, to score on especially when you're starting with Shooter and KCP sprinting their asses all over the place right and Drummond flying all over. like that is a that's a really tough defensive unit um for a given matchup too that I that just kind of came to mind no absolutely and that's what I was saying in the last pod about like we are trying to be a nasty team like we Darius you've called the team hunters absolutely they're trying to maximize their ability to hunt and sometimes you need an archer that just stands there behind the front lines as as the conquering horde and is just picking people off and that's Ben McLemore right like that's what he essentially brings to the table if you get into a melee uh, a physical fight Ben McLemore is not going to win that in the playoffs but if he's allowed to Darius's point to just stand back and and snipe based off of all of the space that everybody else has created he'll be a good fit on this team so uh really excited about the additions at the buyout market we have the capability to play a multitude of styles and that's very exciting going forward yeah i think that that's the biggest key here and and probably the place where where we can wrap on macklemore is he is just one piece and he's not putting the lakers over the top and he's not dragging them down Right. right in any given play but just like with the Drummond signing, it is emblematic, I think, of trying to build out the most complete and well-rounded roster that you can build out. And when it's time to deploy these players in workable groups against matchups where they can excel, I think Vogel's going to have a lot of different choices at, at his disposal. And if you ask any head coach what they want, they would probably say that along with, you know, hopefully within the next month, two healthy top five players getting ready for a playoff run, right? That's right. That's what all of this revolves around as is, is Mike aptly frames it because that's how you understand this team best. Uh, lots of lots of fun talking about Ben McLemore. Uh, we'll be back soon. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Rebound is lying, three seconds left. That next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. 
That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.